0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving
1: and Live Purposefully and Abundantly. Written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold.
0: Welcome to episode 91 of the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. And this week, we are continuing our series geared toward parents and anyone who has influence in a child's life ranging from toddler to teen. We started in episode 89 with Meg Gleisner talking about casting a vision. Then last week, Hilary Morgan Ferrer joined us to share helpful ways to empower children to recognize and challenge cultural lies. Well, today, I sit down with Mary Flo Ridley to talk about how to have healthy conversations with our children regarding their bodies, sex, and childbirth. It is not a one-and-done conversation, and Mary Flo answers some questions about appropriate conversations to have with our toddlers, our elementary-age children, and tweens and teens. Before we begin, I ask you to think about someone in your life that could use some encouragement, some guidance, some resources, and maybe some wise counsel when it comes to discussing sex with their children. Whoever comes to mind, please take a moment to text, email, or direct message this episode to them. So without further ado, let's jump into episode 91, with Mary Flo Ridley. Let's talk birds and bees. Good morning, Mary Flo, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast.
1: Good morning, Amber. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here. Well, and
0: before we started recording, I'd said to you, I'm excited to hear from you today because we're going to talk about a topic that should be probably near and dear to every parent's heart, but one that we kind of struggle. And so, before we get to talking about our topic today, will you please introduce yourself and your family and tell everybody a little bit about what you do?
1: I'd be happy to. I'm married to my husband, Dave Ridley, and we've been married this summer, 40 years. Congratulations. I love it. Thank you. I know. I know. It, it went by fast. And we have three grown children and eight grandchildren, but when my oldest two were only four and one, so in 1986, Um, I started um, wondering if I could answer my child's early questions about mommy, how's that baby getting out of there? Mm -hmm. And the reason why I wondered, well, can I tell you is because no one ever told me. I had Mm -hmm. wonderful parents, loving parents, responsible parents, but on this topic they were completely silent. And so I grew up not knowing how to even verbalize those answers so I, I didn't know if it would, I would be doing something harmful <laughs> yeah. by answering their questions. So I kind of went on a, a bit of a research and um, decided that, yes, indeed, I could and should answer their questions. And I—it's a longer story than what I'll give here. But eventually, I—you know—within the year, I came up with a plan that Dave and I were happy with. That this was going to be our approach to this topic of sexuality with our children. And I was able to share that, was asked to share that with some groups. And that just grew and grew because people wanted to hear, well, what, what is a plan? Yeah. I'd like to have a plan. (laughs) And so over the years, it just grew and grew. And then a few years ago, a wonderful young woman, Megan Michelson came along. In fact, she was one of my daughter's good friends and said, let's take this a little further. And we we recorded them, and we made um, a digital notebook. So now we have a small business called The Birds and the Bees, and we sell our videos all over the world, because mm-hmm. this is not just an American
0: That's right. problem.
1: Uh, it's a universal uh, dilemma for parents. So our plan is flexible enough that we are invited to a lot of churches, but also to a lot of schools that are not necessarily Christian, because the beauty of this plan is that you can adapt it to your family's values. So,
0: but the biology is the same. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. Well, and that's the thing in 2020, we still have parents and I still have conversations with people all the time that kind of cringe at having that quote unquote birds and bees talk. And so as we begin to dive into this. You know, birds and bees, they really, you all really want to make it more of not a one-time talk. This is not a one-time deal where you sit down and tell your children about sex, but instead it is an ongoing conversation, which is so, so important. And so how do you really encourage people to go about doing that?
1: Well, first of all, that is exactly right. You've just nailed us. We are... (laughs) We are really revolutionizing the idea of the talk and instead giving parents a strategy for having multiple age-appropriate, healthy conversations. Mm-hmm. And so what we do is we give them really six steps and we tell them they can't do all six in one day. Um, and so, <laughs> but it starts with really the parents Coming to a, uh, the answer to this question, Amber, and that question is, what is the main thing you want your children to know about sex if they're growing up in your family? Mm. If you could give that answer one sentence, what would that sentence be? That's going to be the theme and the purpose of all of your conversations. I think so often parents are just, first of all, they don't want to have these conversations. It's just too intense or they think it will be. And then they also don't know where to go with the conversation. So they just wait for a question and then Mm -hmm. react. They don't Mm -hmm. they're not in charge of this topic in their own family. Mm -hmm. So we put parents in a different position of saying, okay, you are overseeing this subject matter in your home. As a result. what is the main thing that you want your child to learn on this topic when it's all said and done, mm. when they leave your home someday, what is the main thing you want them to know? It's kind of a, it's a great we That's one reason why we have our um, digital notebook, uh, a discussion guide because we want parents to personalize this and really give it some hard thinking. But when you do, you'll be so freed up to then enter into conversations because you know why you're talking to them. And just, you know, for an example, Dave and I, when we went through this process, what we decided we wanted our children to understand was that sex is a gift from God intended for marriage. So there's not a lot of biology there, but what it is, is it's setting up the framework for all of those conversations. We're going to talk about it in a positive way as a gift. We're going to talk about the beauty, but also the boundaries. And we are going to get to the biology for sure, but in the context of that message this, that's step one is your message. Now we know every family's different and every family can come up with a different okay. message. People can go off in an entirely different direction, but, and eventually they will need to, um, you know, have the, uh, biology, which is the same no matter what your message is. So.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think it's a good perspective to say that. What is it you want them to know? Because, Regardless of if it's the same, because you and I agree on what our main message would be, because we're both Christ followers. But maybe you're not. Well, still, they are receiving a message from someone. And that message may still be different than the message you want them to have. And so that intentionality is so valuable.
1: Well, and Even I don't pretend that only people of faith want to talk to their children about this topic. But chances are their message is different than the culture's message. Yes. You know, it's different than the culture. So if it's different than the culture, what is it? Mm. And it's a good thought process to do if you're married as a couple, if you're a single parent, to really sit down and think when they leave, you know, kind of play the end game. Um, When they leave, what will they take with them, that Mm -hmm. I have taught them on this topic, both in words and deeds. So we, we have to think about that. And then we can start the conversations because we know our core beliefs. We know, you know, kind of our intentions with these conversations and that will come through. It'll give your conversations vocabulary and you'll know where you're going with them, which gives parents so much confidence.
0: Yeah. Well, let's do that. Let's go back or let's talk to parents that are parenting toddlers right now. What are some conversation patterns that you would give parents of toddlers that are really important to begin letting them know that they're the authority on their bodies?
1: Well, you start with their bodies. That's exactly right. You start with their body parts. You start uh, naming. One of the most important things that we can do is give those private parts names that are biologically correct mm-hmm. and not use wingy-wangy words. And That's so right. we, we want them to have the correct vocabulary and we need to explain to them that those parts are private. And sometimes we know what private means, but our children don't. So we also have to define what does it mean when I say private. And that means you know no one else touches those or asks to see those or or these days you also have to include, no one takes a picture of those.
0: Mm.
1: So, you know, it's having a respectful, you don't want to be silly, but you also, I mean, because of course they're going to giggle and run around the house and be silly in those moments, but you just kind of rein it back in and say, remember, we're very respectful of our bodies and our private parts. So just know it's, they don't get it the first time, but they know that they're growing up in a home that is safely respectful of their modesty or their. Or their bodies, and that you're 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 pointing them in that direction. Yeah. So with little ones, you really start out with the vocabulary, and then usually the next question that very very young children will ask is about birth. Mm-hmm. They'll have a teacher who's having a baby, or you're expecting another child, and they're usually first of all curious about birth before they're curious about conception. Yeah. So even though we know conception comes first that's usually their you know developmental curiosity it takes them in that direction first so explaining the the beauty of birth the wonder of birth using all of those vocabulary words that are new to them and just we have we call it the dazzling conversation mm-hmm. because we kind of want to wow them with our with how much we know about birth so you'll use words like umbilical cord and uterus and you know Things that they've never heard before, so that's that's also a conversation you could have with a very young child that sets you up as the loving authority,
0: yeah, and I think, and you I know you would agree with this as well is it can be uncomfortable to us because maybe we didn't grow up in a setting where we felt comfortable with those words. I was fortunate to at least grow up in a family where there was medical talk, so it didn't seem so outlandish to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Now, with that said, my parents didn't have the quote unquote talk, but the general language was healthy. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes as parents talking to our children, we have to remember that those words don't carry even the meaning we may think they do as gross or weird or. But instead, if we just put that out there for our kids, to them, that becomes the norm. Right. And it's not awkward. We can make it awkward, but we don't need to make it
1: awkward. We can take that next step with our children. And what I say is use your pediatrician voice. Pretend that you're talking to them as their pediatrician. What do you think that would sound like instead of getting all weirded out? But I understand that because I got weirded out too. I mean, it was, right. It's you still feel that internally, but if you can smile and talk to them um, in a very calm voice, then that's, that's what's helpful. And you know what? They may say, oh, that sounds gross. And you can say, I know it sounds strange to you because you're a child and this is not, these things don't happen to children. So this is not about being a child. This is much later in life. And so, you know, it's, it's okay. Also, if you, if you can understand why they think this all sounds very strange, you can be empathetic with that.
0: That's right. Well, and and if we move on into elementary age children, I mean, even some of these things that you've already talked about are some conversations. But what are some other just general key conversations that we should have general language parents should practice with their elementary age children?
1: There are lots of conversations that we would love to see parents have before children are out there in the world. And you don't think of early elementary mm. age as out into the world. But here's what I want parents to realize. Your child is not going to school with just six-year-olds. They're going to school with the oldest sibling of any six-year-old in that room. Mm. So there are your, your firstborn six-year-old is living in a six-year-old world. They right. know six-year-old jokes and stories and watch six-year-old appropriate things And there's nothing really in their life that's beyond the horizon of six, but sitting next to them and in their circle of friends or down the street or a cousin, they have a friend who's the youngest of four. That's right. And they're growing up in a 16-year-old world, and they are absorbing 16-year-old stories, jokes, media, all of those things. So you have to know that if you want to be the one to tell them... It's going to, with your values, it's going to be so much sooner than you think. You don't think your young child is ready to hear this, but you're leaving them wide open when you don't say anything to anything they may hear in the culture. And if they've never heard you talk about any of this, they don't know they can come home and talk to you about it. So they kind of tend to keep it a secret. So, I know that um, some parents will think, "Oh, that's far too young to explain things to a child," but it's also too young for them to hear it from someone, someone else. Someone else, amen. And and so um, it's uh, pick your poison, <laughs> your, or you yeah, know, pick your pick your pain. The pain right. of that uncomfortable conversation, or the pain of realizing two years ago you had a friend explain this to you and you didn't talk to me about it. You know, I've I've just heard too many stories. Mm-hmm. So um, so really. Helping them to understand, uh, for example, this is for a very young child too, just the foundational idea of seeds and eggs, how all living things reproduce. Be fascinated with that. Isn't this interesting how life comes out of seeds and eggs? Well, that can happen at the farmer's market, in your kitchen. You know, these are just the deep inside of every living thing is part of what it takes to make the next living thing just like it. Yes. Is just the you know reproduction and but they can know that so that eventually when you tell them the story of deep inside of every human is part of what it takes to make a next another human being then they know that deep inside of mommy or eggs and daddy has seeds and how do those seeds and eggs get together so it's a dawning process of explaining how reproduction happens with humans and i do think it's it's one of those things that you can make as simple as possible just the basic biology with your values is all you really need. You don't need to talk about even the pleasures or the Mm -hmm. dangers that um, can be a result of sexual intercourse, but you can explain how this happens in a way that is, um, that is easy for a child to understand. So I think in those early elementary years to either introduce the topic or answer their questions is a good idea. Yeah, about that. Some children ask and ask and ask and ask. They're just never they're stop. Curious. Asking. That's right. Oh my goodness, they're so curious. And then some don't ever ask. There's their mother standing there, nine months pregnant, and they never say, "How's the baby going to get out? Had that baby get in there?" They're, they're oblivious, and so that doesn't mean they're not curious on some level, but they have not verbalized the questions. So for the child that never asks, you may want to say. Sweetheart, have you ever wondered exactly how this baby's going to get out of here? Mm -hmm. So you're inviting them to a conversation that maybe they have wondered but they haven't really asked.
0: Yeah, I love that. But mostly I love how you just relate it to a plant cycle because every child being a mom of a 10, 8, and 4 year old, you know, two of my kids have gone through the plant cycle and talked about how Mm new plants come and they've even talked about animals. And so what a great opportunity to just work that right in, not making it awkward or any of those exactly.
1: Things. And that's, um, you know, that's the beauty of the design. I love to point to the beauty of the design mm. of reproduction, that there is, there's a one way this happens and that's with a seed and an egg. Mm-hmm. And there's never, that has not been changed, even if it, you know, even if that's in a petri dish, like it is. You, you know, still we, have to ha-
0: have those. You
1: have to have those two elements. And it, that's one of the unchangeables so that we can teach that to them. And that's not going to change next year.
0: <laughs> that's right. Well, and going back to that thought process of, you know, your six year old is with the oldest sibling of their friend. Um, I've seen that play out in. Not so much from a sexual context, but, you know, when my um, first grader came home and all of a sudden knew the F word, I was like, whoa, where did that come from? But it was because one of his good friends and they weren't, he wasn't saying it even out loud. He just said, oh, yeah, my sister has said this word before (laughs) because she was a 17 year old, you know, so we see that. But when we're talking about that, I want to point out that the average age someone first sees pornography as 11 years old and they're just as likely to see it accidentally as they are on purpose. And so how do you encourage parents to deal with discussing pornography with their children? Because I feel like it's almost needed earlier and earlier.
1: You're exactly right, Amber. That is exactly right. Um, Sadly, that is true. I mean, years ago, when, when I was talking about when to talk to your child about pornography, it was in the preteen age. Like yeah. we, we kind of slotted that in with the dawning of puberty. But now that's not true. There's just too many screens, too much availability. And so that's the bad news is that, yes, they're, getting, they're, they're going to stumble upon it more than likely and at a younger age. But the good news is there's a great resource out there, and we are we are always pushing this resource because we think it's the best, and and it re- really reflects the birds and the bees mm-hmm. strategy to things, because it's taking it, it, you're taking charge of the topic, mm-hmm. and you're introducing the topic in a very age appropriate way. So it's uh, called Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, by Kristen Jensen and. She had good pictures, bad pictures, and then we all saw the age starting to drop. And so now she has good pictures, bad pictures, junior. Mm -hmm. And so that is for very young children. But what it does is it it doesn't let this just be a surprise and a secret for children. Instead, they can anticipate what they will do if they do see something that is a bad picture. So it defines what a bad picture is and it gives them a plan for what to do if they should see something, and it always involves the parents. That's right. So, so it is one of our favorite resources, and we could we could not um, encourage people to read it enough. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, we did. Um, it is a resource that we use. We did Good Pictures, Bad Pictures, Junior, a couple of years ago, and it was so interesting because, of course, you know, my oldest son, he's very perceptive. I'm very blessed with an oldest son that's very likes to communicate. Great. at least at this point. Yeah. I mean, I know that is rare, but you know, all of a sudden, every time he saw anything a little bit questionable, he was running to me. And in a way I had to avoid letting it annoy me, but at the same time being so grateful and saying, do you see how frequent it is, buddy? You're mm-hmm. And you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg right now. And so it did give him a language and he was more quick to come and say, whoa, mom, I saw this today. And yes, it was just an ad, but that's mm-hmm. how it begins.
1: That's right. Well, and you want them to be sensitive to that. That's right. So that, that you know, we want them to be careful about what they see and, and aware of the damage that can happen in years to come if that increases. And without your parent involvement, then that would just hide inside of him. And Mm. that's when the, that's when the bad things can start to happen when it's a secret thing. And, um, and that young children, your son's age, they are going to run and tell their parents, but the teenagers may not. So to form that habit early on and to know, this is how we solve this problem, this, that we have to do this together, then that makes a lot more sense because it's been a part of his life now. So that's right. Well, and I remember,
0: well, that's just has come as a result of seeing or listening to podcast episodes, like ones you've been on with, um, we were talking earlier with Heather McFadden and, you know, you talking to her. And then as a result, like I've had some conversations with Krista Bowen, who is the founder of we start now. And, you know, her, one of her big things is don't assume it's an if at this point in your life. With children and in our culture, you have to assume that it's a win. They're going to come across a pornographic mm-hmm. image. So don't be taken off guard. Don't be surprised. Don't give them the wow face. But instead, the how have we talked about that we need to deal with this?
1: Exactly. And and don't you know just hide and say, well, maybe it won't be us. <laughs> because it is it, it definitely is a win. And so... It's better to anticipate it for them. Uh, We like to talk about how, you know, before you take your child to their first dentist appointment, Mm. parents are always anticipating things like that. So they say, okay, well, we're going to go to the dentist. A dentist is a person who cleans your teeth. There's going to be a bright light. You're going to sit in kind of a different sort of chair. Um, Dr. Harrison, you know him. He's, he goes to our church But he's going to be wearing a mask and he's going to have these different instruments that he's going to put in your mouth to be sure that your teeth are clean and healthy. And then after it's all said and done, we're going to go find the treasure box and then we'll go and get a special treat. Well, then when they get to the dentist's office, everything you said about that is true. Mm -hmm. And that makes you a reliable authority on explaining how life is about, what's about to happen. So if you say there are bad pictures out there and this is the damage that they can do, so this is how we're going to handle it. It's just like telling them this is poison under the sink because it also cleans our potties. <laughs> we keep it under the sink, yeah. but it's not to drink. And it's, it's so it's it's got its good effects that, you know, the internet has its good parts and it has its bad parts, but you need to know about both. Hmm.
0: That is so helpful to give language for parents. So thank you so much for that. I'm even thinking like, okay, I can keep that going. Because, you know, I still do have a four-year-old who's a completely different personality than my 10-year-old.
1: Isn't that amazing? I mean, you feed them the same things and they just grow up completely
0: different. That's a whole different podcast (laughs) episode, isn't it? No, it's so true. It's
1: wonderful, but it's so true. It is, but it does make parenting very challenging because
0: while the, you know, like while Quote, unquote, like you were talking about our biology is the same. Sometimes the way we approach our biology with our children, you kind of have to adapt it to the way they're going to receive it.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And not to push that digital workbook, but that we talk about what is your child's learning style?
0: Oh, no, that's great. Do you have
1: to, you know, do you have to adapt this story for each child? Mm, so
0: That's great. Are you living a story you don't like? I think it's safe to say We're all living with a difficult story these days. So I'd like to give a big thanks to our sponsor for today's show. Heather Dixon is an author, speaker, and Bible teacher. And as a survivor of an incurable genetic disorder, she is passionate about helping women find the courage to live by faith, especially when they don't like their story. Her new Bible study, Renewed, Finding Hope When You Don't Like Your Story, is for the woman who is not just walking through a season of hardship, but who has experienced a story that they did not choose and cannot change. In Renewed, a four-week study of the book of Ruth, women glean wisdom from Naomi's perspective, a woman who lived a story she didn't choose or like. With insight from her own journey of living with a story that is not easy, Heather teaches women to flourish, even as they live hard stories, by trusting in God and trading their heartache for hope. If you need a safe place to process your hard story while allowing God's word to speak tangibly into it, check out the renewed study at therescuedletters.com. Backslash renewed. That's the rescued com backslash renewed. Friends, your story isn't over. Even now, God is working to renew it. Well, so for parents of middle and high school age children, really any parents, because we're all looking to that time, talking about masturbation and puberty, I mean, it feels daunting. It's like this, you know, just thing that hangs over your head because you know that it's coming. And so how do you encourage parents to address that topic?
1: Well, we get this question a lot. And actually, we have done an entire podcast on this topic. I um, want to link that. With the, so, with the Don't Mom Alone. Yes, and I will. Um, I'll, I'll link Heather Heather's. McAdding, because we, we 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 talk about, young children touching themselves. And that's different than puberty masturbation. And so we want to kind of help parents see the difference between pre-puberty and post-puberty. Mm. Um, and, and to know that sometimes it's just a little comfort of a child or it's a habit, and that we can handle that in in a certain way that's just just as if they were I don't know. Binding their fingernails, binding their fingernails. You know, finger finger in the nose. You know, just it. What you want to do when they're little is not freak out, but instead go in the direction of hygiene Mm. and and manners. You know, that's where you go to the potty. So that's not, you know, that's not a healthy place to have your hand. There are germs in there. Let's get our hands out of our pants instead of associating it only with in a sexual way, mm-hmm. I think. So you just want to teach them good manners and teach them good hygiene in a positive way. Even if you have to do it 20 times a day, mm-hmm. honey, don't forget. That's not really where it's not, not because we also don't want to throw too much shame, but it's right. also, we don't worry about shame with, you know, what I just said about your nose, you know, that's <laughs> like, right. it's, like there is a certain manners that we just, we all learn to restrain ourselves. Yes, And so that's part of growing up and part of parenting. But I think we get a little too nervous that we're going to uh, over shame them. And that's mm-hmm. going to come in our voice and in our facial expression. So if we can firmly but kindly say that's, you know, you never see, you know, here's a room full of adults, You nobody has their hands in their pants. <laughs> so you eventually have to learn how to leave them out of your pants. So right. here we go. So, you know, it's just, if you can just kind of have a light approach to it, but consistent, okay, then I think that's an important th- part of parenting that I yes. think we've, we've freaked out about.
0: Right. In, pre- um, in pre-puberty.
1: Yes. But then there are different uh, theories about how you should take this, uh, what direction you should go once they have Passed into puberty, and so we discuss those various directions in that podcast. Okay, and so some. I I just to summarize, one is like this is just a natural release of sexual tension. Don't worry about it. Uh, But on the other hand, there are uh, there's a lot of science that say that this can lead to troubles in marriage, and that it's rarely done without pornography, and it's something that should be avoided or restrained. Mm -hmm. So. Those are the two camps. We kind of talk about those two camps. And as a parent, you can kind of look to the future and think, how do I want to approach this?
0: Mm, Yeah. Well, and I will, for everyone listening, I'll make sure that I link that episode particularly because I listened to a portion of that. And, you know, that's a whole other um, 45 minutes to an hour if you're at that stage where you're ready to talk about it. Um, or just learn about it. Um, that'll give you some extra insight into both Heather and Mary Flo's conversation back and forth. So we'll make sure we link that.
1: And Megan is on that too. Oh, so good. you get introduced to Megan. Yes.
0: Yay. Birds and bees, you all you've mentioned your curriculum a little bit. And so what could one expect if, you know, we decided to go forward with your curriculum? What what is it that you offer?
1: We have given this talk for many years and we have had lots of parents who will come year after year and hear it so it's about a an hour and a 15 minute hour and 15 minute curriculum we walk through all of the steps so it's as if you've come to one of our talks we we start with the message and we go all the way, really preschool to preteen we unfold the steps that we have for parents. And then we also have other resources like how to share your faith. Um, the, we have a Q&A because Q&A in a live event is a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> We get every single question you can imagine. So we tried to just uh, recall all of our favorite Q&As and our most prevalent Q&As. And we have a video on that and then we also do a, a video on resources so you would hear our talk as if it was at a live event and then you would get these other Q&A resources how to incorporate your faith so that's what you would get also it's in something called the bundle if you get the bundle you get all of those videos plus the digital workbook yeah so
0: that's so helpful
1: it's called taking flight So that's what you get when you sign up for the birds and the bees. So it's a very, and we have parents who will listen to it and listen to it because as you know, as a parent, you're listening to it with the ears of a 10 year old, but you also need to be listening with the ears of a four year old. So you'll hear different things at different times.
0: Yes. And then as they get older, that changes and so on and so forth. And like you had said earlier, it is so important because What my four-year-old even is being exposed to now is so much more than what my 10-year-old was exposed to when he was four. And that's just the natural progression of having siblings. I haven't met anybody who says... Oh, wow. Yeah, my my four-year-old, I'm a mom of four, but my four-year-old's the one who's still only watching, you know, the Sesame Street. I'm <laughs> right. like, uh-uh, my four-year-old's out there watching Dude Perfect and all the things, you know, Fortnite yes. and all that stuff.
1: Exactly. Your family is the age of your oldest child That's and right. everyone else keeps up. So you have a 10-year-old family, even though you have a four-year-old. And so- that's just, there's no avoiding that. That's right. So that's, you have to know that. And then sometimes with your last one, you forget to tell them things because you think, well, I know I've said this several times, but maybe (laughs) I didn't tell you. So you kind of have to circle back with them. And circling back is a phrase we use a lot in the birds and the bees. Sometimes people will listen to this curriculum and they'll think, man, I missed it. You know, I've got a nine-year-old and I could have done this when they were younger. Don't feel that way. Just don't, you can always circle back. Mm-hmm. You know, you can always go back and say, you know, I intended to cover this topic with you, but I need to catch up a little bit because I realize now that you're going into fourth grade, you know, or now that you're going away to spend the night camp or now that, you know, this topic has come up, I need to, I need to go back and go over and review some things that i didn't ever talk to you about. So don't, Don't worry about it. The the game's not over. You can always circle back.
0: Well, and that was one of the questions, you know, that I had for you was what kind of encouragement do you have for that parent who, you know, is feeling behind and just feeling like, oh, my goodness, I didn't start this open dialogue with my preschool about sex and their bodies. And so you mentioned, you know, one thing there, would you say to those parents, like, start now or start where they're at and go backwards, because that's kind of a hard dynamic to think through.
1: That is such a great question. You're right. And, and this is going to vary from family to family and your situations might be different. But one suggestion that we have for parents is just to own it. Mm. You know, just go ahead and say there is a topic that I have avoided a little bit because it's a little uncomfortable, mm. but that's not going to be the case anymore. This topic is the topic of sex. Now, it depends. Like, are you talking about an eight-year-old or a 12-year-old? That's like if right. If you're talking about a 12-year-old, then that you could easily say that. With the eight-year-old, you can just catch them up kind of quickly. But um, if you feel like there were things that you could have started, like vocabulary and birth and seeds and eggs, you can you can pretty much cover that. But if it's not been a topic and you have lots of things that you need to cover, You can say that. And maybe you set aside a time and you say, you know what, between over the next six months, I'm going to catch us up. And so on Tuesday nights after dinner, we're going to take a walk and we're only going to walk around four blocks. But on that walk, I'm going to explain some things and I want you to bring questions or comments. Mm -hmm. And when we get home, we'll go right back, you know, we'll just, uh, that doesn't mean we can only talk on that walk. But I just want to set aside some intentional time to bring us up to speed Mm -hmm. and to get used to having these conversations. And the reason I say a walk is because eyeball to eyeball across the kitchen table, mm, too painful, and Mm -hmm. they will run, Mm -hmm. they will, they will scream and run. And so if you are taking a walk, you're looking around at things or you're but you're not eyeball to eyeball. Mm -hmm. So or take a drive or take, you know, somewhere where you've just kind of got them captured just for a limited amount of time and try not to do too much at once. And you can say, you know, tonight we're only going to talk about birth. I never actually explained how babies come out. And there's a lot of good vocabulary and things to understand. Your child may say, oh, mom, I already know. And you can say, that's fine. That's great. I'm glad you know. I want to know That I've explained it to you the way I want you to hear it. Mm. So, what we let parents know is you know, they may push back, don't fall for it. I already know about all this, but you don't know it the way I want to explain it to you. So, I need to know when I put my head on the pillow at night that I have explained this to you. I don't want to worry that. Well, what do you know about this? Mm. And you can tell me what you know or how you found out, and I—you will not be in trouble because I left you available to do that. That's so right. I'll—I'll I'll take ownership of that, but I think own it and then you, in a positive way, start taking steps to reconcile that.
0: Yeah. Well, and as we begin to close out, I do feel like there's so many great resources out there. Probably a lot I do not know about. Some that I know that you have recommended. Like I said in other places that we have used, and so I would love for you to share some of those resources, and you know maybe like when or or why you feel like they're so great for the listener.
1: Wonderful! They're actually I have them all right here. So um, one is called "God Made All of Me," Mm -hmm. and it's it's a it's also by uh, Justin Holcomb and Lindsay Holcomb, and it's a sweet story about keeping their private's private. It's Mm -hmm. about their special private parts. And it's a really sweet book about that. Then another is a series by Stan and Brenna Jones. Mm -hmm. And I love their series. The series is called God's Design for Sex. And they're books that you read with your children, just like God Made All of Me is a book that you read to your child. And um, it's got four different Mm -hmm. books in the series. But the story of me is the first one, and it's about uh, birth and then conception. Mm -hmm. So it goes in the order that we go. And, of course, with any book, I encourage parents to uh, look at the pictures, read it through thoroughly, be sure this is in line with your message, because otherwise you get there and go, Oh, I didn't know they were going to show that kind of picture of right. birth or I didn't know, you know, be sure you're okay with that. Mm-hmm. And um, I've let a few
0: parents actually borrow mine because they've wanted to do that very thing before they bought them. And I said, yes, absolutely. Just make sure you give them back because I still got two yeah. coming up behind <laughs> my others. <you> know?
1: <laughs> and um, then there is an author that uh, her name is Kara Natterston okay. and she writes a lot of books for the American girl doll. Yeah. American girl. And she has one book called the care and keeping of you. Mm -hmm. And it's volume one, volume two, volume three. This is not going to explain about sex, but mainly about body care and hygiene and also, but I love the way she explains this now because she's writing for the American girl, the care and keeping of you is really body book for girls. Yes. But Kara Natterson herself is the mother of three boys. So she's <laughs> like, Well, I want one for my boys. So she wrote a book called Guy Stuff, the body book for boys.
0: Okay. And I don't I, have she's that very, one.
1: So that's a. You would love this. Okay. It's really good. And it's not faith based; it's biology based. She's she's a pediatrician, and she I love the way how I love how respectful she is to her audience. Mm. You know, some authors they just get so silly with the kids, but she's very respectful to her audience, and she's always pointing them to their parents. Ask your mom and dad about this. Ask your parents about this. You know, um, talk to them about this. So she's very good about that. And then we already talked about good pictures, bad pictures. That's right. Good pictures, bad pictures, juniors. So those are some of our favorite resources.
0: Well, and the um, book about is it? It's called the book about you and your body. Is that the one you just mentioned? um, The pediatrician wrote. That's primarily those are meant for the individual, the child to read, right? Yes. Yeah. And so we haven't, my daughter has, she's my middle child. She has not started working through that one yet, but yeah, I have it on the shelf for that very reason. I don't know if I heard you or someone else recommend it, but, um,
1: it, but you can, what I would do is I would read it first just to see what, what they're going to cover and then let them read it on their own. But then I think you can say, what chapter are you on? Right. What are you thinking about that? Yeah. So that they know that you read it too and, you, and you're both getting, or I might modify what I think about, you know, this overall, it's a good book, but there's just one thing in there that I would say differently, just so you can, once again, just uh, speak into their lives on these important things. Yes.
0: Well, Mary Flo, thank you so much for being here with me today. And I do recommend that everybody visit birds and bees. It's, I want to make sure that we send them to the right place. It's birds-bees.com, right?
1: That's correct. And it's just the the symbol of the dash. That's right. right. Birds-bees.com. And we have a really fun, (laughs) I think it's fun, uh, lively uh, Instagram following. And we really feel like we have good conversations with our Instagram community. So if you're on social media, that would be birds underscore bees. And so um, that's where we are. That's we'd love to answer any questions you have, and we'd love to see you there.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today,
1: Amber. Thank you. I enjoyed being with you.
0: Okay, friends, wasn't that helpful? Mary Flo has so much wisdom, and that is why I encouraged you to share it with someone that you thought could benefit from her wise counsel. Also, all the resources she mentioned including the podcast episodes and the books can be found at graceenoughpodcast.com backslash show notes. I look forward to meeting back here next week as we continue this series with Ted Turnall and Jared Moore. We will be discussing pop culture parenting. It's an episode you don't want to miss. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough podcast.